everyone, welcome to the Crossroads Podcast from Olive Baptist Church. I'm Travis, and I'm sitting across from Ethan, and we're here to discuss difficult questions that young adults face and their implications on the Christian life. I shortened it that time. Did you like that? I like that. That was That's a good intro. Right. I like that. Way to go, Travis. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I do a good job sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, if I can pull myself together enough to do it, I, I do pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's just go ahead and jump into okay. this question. Uh, I feel like there's a lot to this one. Here we go. This past weekend, I celebrated Easter and saw many social media posts saying, he is risen, in quotations. Uh, I also saw people on the other side stating that the resurrection was a lie. Can you explain a way I can give them answers that the resurrection actually occurred? Well, one, he is risen. Uh, so the tomb is proof yeah. of that. Um, <laughs> now, this is, you know what's funny about this is that academia has for the most part on the scholastic sense put this issue to rest yeah but what's funny is that these issues continue to just come back up and when you look at it you're like no that like all the scholars are saying that no this is a verified fact let's move on to the other issue that they're trying to attack christianity right now yeah Uh, which it's just funny though because when you look at all of this it's uh these arguments are just cyclical. Yes. Uh, they come up. So, for instance, like with this, um, th- this this statistic I'm going to be giving you guys is that, at okay, not all scholars will agree on this, uh, but about 75% of scholars, uh, this is from Gary Habermas, who is a phenomenal mm. apologetics individual um, in the resurrection of Christ, who he's actually going to be my professor this next semester. I'm oh, that's very really excited cool. for my doctorate. And anyways, so he says that 75% of scholars actually agree that the tomb was in fact empty and that historical Jesus, biblical Jesus, did in fact rise from the grave uh, based off of the claims and everything else uh, that had happened. So. Let's talk about this. So the whole crux, in my opinion, no, it is. The whole crux of the Christian religion lies on did Jesus actually rise from the grave or not? If he didn't, if he did not, let me clarify, if he did not rise from the grave, then in my opinion, Christianity is no different than any other religion out there. Because if you look at this, uh, Islam's truth claim that Muhammad, not, there's no claim that he rose. Buddhism, same no. thing. All these other religions. <clears throat> that is why Christianity is so offensive is because the truth claims that we have is very bold. It's a very bold truth claim. Now, when you look at that, if the crux of all of Christianity lies or rises or falls or whatever you want to say on the person, historical person of Jesus and did he rise from the grave? There's things that we need to look at. So one thing that I always love to talk to people about is when the gospels were written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I'm not even talking the epistles right now. When the gospels were written, most of them uh, were written fairly soon after uh, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Uh, within 10 to 20 years. Some were a little bit longer than that. Uh, the Gospel of John wasn't until much later, especially with the book of Revelation. But for the most part, they were written in which people who were alive during that time, who would have known about the historical Jesus, would have been able to 
say yes or no that that is in fact what happened. Am I, am I making sense right mm-hmm. now? So when you look at this, when Christ rose from the grave, right, he didn't just appear to 12. If he only appeared to 12, then I think that there would be reason for doubt, right? He appeared to over 500 people. And within those 500 people, we see a physical manifestation of Christ, not not an illusion, not a dream, a physical appearance of Christ in which when we see two, that they were able to touch and be in his presence and they saw that he was breaking bread with him as well. Mm-hmm. So when we see that, we see that a lot of people saw. So if the gospel's being written, the narrative of Christ being written, or even Paul's epistles being written, stating what Christ had done and stating the effects and that he did in fact rise from the grave, there would be an outcry from the local people and it would be rejected as a historical document. I'm only talking about the historicity of the books. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a for instance. If I was to write a book right now, it's 2021, and I was to write a book on, let's go back to Vietnam War. All right, let's just say I write a book on the Vietnam War. That's roughly around, honestly, that's older than what we're talking about here within time reference. But let's just say I wrote a book on the Vietnam War and I twisted what had happened and I twisted the end results of the war. There would be an outcry and people would be like, this book is garbage. That is not what had happened. And I would say, yeah, well, how do you know that? Well, I was there in the Vietnam War, and you have personal eyewitness accounts stating, no, I was there. That is not how this happened. Yeah, firsthand knowledge of of that. Yeah, and not only that, but family oral traditions being passed down, too. So if the grandpa or the father passed away, I mean, let's go even back to World War II. You can make stuff up from that, but people are going to shoot holes in it. I mean, you look at that, even the Civil War. And now we're talking hundreds and hundreds of years. But what we're talking about when the Bible was being written, we're not talking long. We're talking 10, 30, 40 years, maybe top 60 years, right? Very relatively recent if you look at historicity. When you look at the conquests of Alexander the Great and you look at all this other stuff, that happened in over 300 B.C., we don't see stuff being written about that until over five to to a thousand years later. Yeah. Right. But yes, we do have historical documents that we can go back on. But what tends to happen is that the person questioning the resurrection of Christ tends to throw the burden of proof on Christianity, but fails to realize and listen to the eyewitness accounts that had happened at the resurrection of the tomb. So going into this, there's a couple of themes or arguments they have is one is that the disciples uh, snatched the body. Um, or that because the crucifixion was such a common uh, method of killing, and typically what had happened at those times is when you would be cr- when they would crucify an individual, they would leave the body up for several days, and then they would throw it into a burial pit. And in that burial pit, then dogs would eat it and everything else. So some people say that the dogs came, ate the body of Jesus, and they couldn't identify this. So here was my here's my argument to that. You have a a, a very prominent figure, Jesus, making very bold truth claims, high up in the court systems of Rome at that time, Mm -hmm. they're not going to just allow this individual, especially one who's made claims that he is going to rise from the grave. The Roman government, everyone else, and especially the Sanhedrin are going to say, well, no, 
We know what's probably going to happen. Let's get in front of this to make sure that that doesn't happen. And so we have the account that Joseph of Arimathea came and buried the body in a known marked tomb. He had to get permission from that. So the Roman government had to approve that. The Sanhedrin had to know about it. So the burial pit theory is just garbage because he would never allow a criminal like that to happen. And the Romans were incredibly good record keepers. <clears throat> like. Like they would not have allowed that to happen without a record of it, not to mention that it was sealed yeah. by a Roman seal. And then the guards that were put out there, like they were to guard that under penalty of death. So, I mean, they would fight for their lives if somebody tried to come and take the body. Absolutely. I mean, so we, we have that theory, the burial pit kind of squashed. Yeah. And then also, like you said, the... The Romans were good at what they did. Yeah. And they were really good at killing. Granted, I know this question isn't about did Jesus actually die. We're not going to get into that, but they're very good at what they did. So the other theory that people tend to do is that the disciples came, somehow overpowered the Roman guard, rolled the tomb back, and then stole the body of Jesus. So I have an extra biblical reference for you listening, not from the scriptures, but from Eusebius. Uh, and he was an early church historian, and he wrote in his Demonstrio Evangelica in 314-18, and he writes this, It would be inconsistent to hold that the disciples were on one hand followers of Jesus with his high moral teaching, and yet on the other hand such base liars as to invent all these miraculous stories about Jesus. It makes no sense to say that the men who learned and then taught the ethics of Jesus would themselves be deceivers. And so that theory of the body snatchers rose up in multiple centuries kind of fighting about, yeah, the disciples took all of this. But the interesting thing, though, is that there's no eyewitnesses and there's zero attestation that the disciples did, in fact, do that. You see one mention of it in the scriptures, like, well, what happened with that? Did the, the disciples would come and take it, but that's prior to mm -hmm. that's prior to which is why they went through those links that they did uh, and so when you look at this um, the radical transformation of the apostles lives I think is also attesting to that Jesus rose from the dead because think about that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead what happened when Jesus got captured at the Mount of Olives right in the Garden of Gethsemane they scattered yeah I mean they they bounced Oh, and yeah. you don't really see, you don't really hear exactly what had happened other than we can assume they went into hiding. The only thing that we get in the narrative is that Peter went in and even he was, at least he was a little bolder that he, you know, he came into that, but he wanted nothing to do with Jesus as well. So what happened? What changed from when Jesus is captured, crucified, and killed, and now all of a sudden the disciples get this incredible boldness to where all of them were martyred? You don't follow a lie into death. I'm sorry. No. Like you can follow a lie a long way, but you're not going to follow it unto martyrdom. You're not going to follow it unto death. So the radical transformation in the apostles and the disciples, I think, is also a phenomenal uh, evidence that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. So we have eyewitnesses. All right. We've kind of debunked the burial pit and the tomb snatchers because the the ethics and morality that Jesus pushed, the disciples would have never done that because that would have been in complete violation. We also have that extra biblical reference um, from uh, Eusebius. Um, and so moving on then, well, what does this mean? So did Jesus rise from the dead? Uh, is miracles possible? And so we're looking at all this other stuff is that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then one, the Bible is irrelevant. Like that, that should just never come to play. The truth claims, and it, what's interesting too, I can't remember the book, 
if you break down the prophecies of Jesus to the minute and hour of his death, it points back into the prophecies in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So the prophecies alone coming to fulfillment is insane that Jesus did. Two, the radical transformation in the apostles' lives is insane as well. Uh, And three, he appeared to so many different eyewitnesses. And if the gospels were in fact fabricated or there was untruth in it, the people at that time would have rejected it and it never would have made it. Because if you look at the Apocrypha, uh, if you look at all of those, a lot of that has been rejected. Books of the Apocrypha have been rejected uh, in a authoritative, inspirational source, but in other ways, it is still uh, reliable in the historical sense. But at the same time, it's untrustworthy because they don't know the source of some of the people who wrote this. So you see that that has happened the way in which we formed our canon, the Bible together. So in the same way, that is how it came in which we have evidences for the resurrection of Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very, very cool. Okay. So um, I want to leave you with one more thing. And I know me and you have talked about this, I think in the lightning round about favorite extra biblical. So Josephus, Flavius Josephus, right? So he lived 37 to 100 AD. So he was born roughly four years after the death of Christ. So Josephus would have then known or had heard about as he was growing up the the God-man Jesus and what had happened. And so in his book, Antiquities of the Jews, which he wrote in AD 93, so we're not that far off, right? We're about 60-ish years. He writes this. This is his narrative. Okay, this is him from his eyewitnesses, from his parents, from however he got it. At this time, the time of Pilate, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. His conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous, and many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die, but those who had become disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. So when you look at this, that is a bold truth claim that is also being, I guess you could say, not necessarily verified, but corroborated by Josephus because if you read on in his book he doesn't state and these guys were a bunch of idiots and they're making this stuff up he's a historian a historian writes down what happens in history so I think we can put this to rest in that we have eyewitness accounts we have early testimony as well uh, especially within the writings Uh, we have I gave you two extra biblical resources and then three just look at the rapid transformation of the disciples and what happened in their lives uh, prior to Christ and then after his resurrection the only answer to all of that is that Jesus in fact did appear to them and was risen from the dead Mm -hmm. Uh, so I just think it's incredible and there's a lot of different books out there to, to help understand uh, or to figure out this for yourself. And uh, one that I would suggest is by Gary Habermas, and it's called The Risen Jesus and Future Hope. And then another one that Gary Habermas writes with Mike Lacona, it's called The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus. So when you read those, that really, we don't have enough time in this podcast to really break down all of the other evidential arguments and uh, philosophies and reasons behind it. But there's very good evidence, and it's not a blind leap of faith into just, well, I guess he did. I just have to accept that he may or may not have, but I choose to believe that he did. No, he did. He did rise from the grave. He is still alive, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. And it's extremely awesome to see uh, you know, people 
post that and then not just post it, but believe that as well. Yeah. You know, so hopefully that answers that question. Very cool. I know you mentioned two resources. Uh, for me, I know I've mentioned the case for Christ on here. I think oh, we've yeah. talked about that before. Yes. He also has uh, the case for Easter and the case for the resurrection, which are two uh, very cool, very I easy totally reads. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Very easy reads too. Uh, probably the first ones that I read in addition to the case for Christ when I first got saved that I was like, oh, this is very cool and a lot of good information. So very cool. Very good answer to that question. I enjoyed the two looks from the two different uh, perspective, historicity, and extra-biblical resources. Yeah. So, very, very cool. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Crossroads is the premier young adult ministry in the city of Pensacola, and you can find out more at olivebaptist.org slash youngadults. You can also DM your questions to the Crossroads Instagram, and we'll see you next time for the Crossroads Podcast. <laughs>